Ah, yes. Let's go. Welcome into the Plank Show. Josh Elmer alongside Connor Pasby. Chris Plank still nursing off those emotions from his son, Will, graduating. Congratulations to you, Will, from graduating high school. So, Plank, he'll be back. He'll be back with us tomorrow. The... It's going to be a fun day. The PGA Championship, it is underway from over at Southern Hills. And we've got a bunched-up leaderboard. Again, just a little over a couple hours underway over there at Southern Hills. So it's very early in this. John Daly, Yang, Robert McIntyre, Xander Shoffley, Will Zalatoris, all Bunched up atop the board at two under par. Tiger Woods is playing early this morning with, uh, I believe, Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy in that pairing, which that's probably the one if you're out at Southern Hills or you're just about to get out to Southern Hills. That's the pairing that you want to be following this morning. He's one under par, so good start here early for Tiger Woods. He birdied what was his first hole that was number 10 and he is headed to the par 5 13th so we'll keep you updated on everything going on in the pga championship from southern hills it's gonna be fun this morning it's gonna be fun this weekend we'll be out there we're taking the gimme zone on the road connor so we will be out in tulsa headed to southern hills for the PGA Championship. Can't wait. Hope to see some of you out that way. And, of course, all of our PGA Championship updates. I haven't touched base with Matt Reynolds yet this morning. I can do that shortly. I was thinking 10 o'clock. If, Matt, by any chance you're not totally consumed with the golf already, which I would imagine you're watching and following step-for-step Tiger Woods and that pairing to start. But if... If by chance you've got the AirPods in and are listening to this, then, hey, plan on 10 o'clock because that's the text message you're about to receive from me here shortly. All of our updates brought to us by Elite Roofing Systems. So Nick Saban has, these last couple of days, basically decided, I'm going to war for everybody in college football. And... Specifically, he had he had a target that some comments have really caught fire now that ESPN has has picked this up. The headline reads like this: Alabama football coach Nick Saban Nick Saban says Texas A&M bought every player. Questions whether the current NIL model is sustainable and. I should have this audio queued up over here, Connor. It sounded like this from one Nick Saban. This is from AL.com, by the way. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. We didn't buy one player. But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. There's been some corners of the college football world that would describe Nick Saban making these types of remarks 
as maybe a little bit scared of what Texas A&M has done. I think I mean, is he is he wrong though? No, I don't. I don't think anybody feels like what Saban is saying is incorrect, and I think a lot of people feel that way about Texas A&M. It was so obvious what A&M was doing that Jimbo Fisher not too long ago hopped on the podium to try and defend what they were doing. Everybody knows that Jimbo Fisher knew good and well that, in fact, yes, they were buying and and paying for players to sign with Texas A&M. It's good for Nick Saban to come out and be a spokesperson in this regard, to, to fight this fight, because I think everybody wants to get to the point where we move, if not entirely away, because... I just don't know how you get to that point now in the in the world of collectives in some of these deals that we're seeing get set up once players sign if a school has has a program put together where you're going to make however many thousands of dollars playing at a specific school and those specific schools would be the Texas A&Ms of the world the Texases of the world the Oklahomas of the world the Ohio State's, Michigan's, Alabama, uh, all of the schools that you would suspect. If that's in place where the enticement side isn't there officially, right? It's not totally not totally there in terms of, hey, here's $200,000 to sign with Texas A&M. If you know that over the life of your time spent in a college program, you're going to make a certain dollar figure, and that dollar figure at in Oklahoma of the world is better than, say, a Kentucky football of the world or a Baylor football of the world in Oklahoma State of the world, then a lot of these players are still, if you don't call it enticement, it would it would be different. It's not what Texas A&M necessarily has been doing they're still going to be enticed to go to the Oklahoma's, Alabama's, you name it, of the world. But, hey, that would be better than where we're at right now. Would you listen to Nick Saban, Connor? Is he a little bit worried about his stranglehold on college football, or is he fighting the good fight? I think he's fighting the good fight. I mean, I thought he was, like, completely correct with everything he had to say, like, this is the main problem we're having with the NIL. It's more like the coaches just using their advantage with the money, and that's taken away from the players, like, using their image and their platform, like, for all this NIL. It's more. It's not really recruiting anymore. It's more, you know, how much money can I offer you to come play football for me, which that wasn't the mission for all this NIL for going on. No, it was – it was not that. It was, hey, endorse a company, endorse a product, sign autographs, make appearances, and get paid a dollar figure for doing so. Most people, I'm not going to say everybody, but most people don't have a problem with that. I do think it was a shock to the system, and it was an adjustment. We saw that firsthand with Spencer Rattler when he made the trek on up to Chicago. And he's signing helmets and, you know, you pay a certain figure and you can get one of those helmets. 
then when the performance on the field doesn't necessarily equate to maybe what what the amount received was, you get the criticism. But hey, that's his totally within his uh, rights to do that. Totally within the idea and the construct of what name, image, and likeness was really designed to be was, okay, you're a star, Spencer Rattler, at the University of Oklahoma. People want your autograph. People want you to endorse a product, a company. If they're willing to pay you whatever the amount may be, then you're worth that amount. But $100,000 to sign with Oklahoma, that's where the beef lies. That's the issue. That's the issue right there. And... I mean, that's why you're starting to see NCAA, like, getting a hold of this. And you're going to see some guidelines that are about to happen so we can move on from that and just get away from, like, offering players money to come play football instead of actually, you know, recruiting them to come. We all we all wanted to get closer back to that point. The reality, and everybody's aware out there of this, it's not as though college football has been clean over the history of its existence. There's been plenty of pay for play over the years. It's just right there. It's out in the open now. Name, image, and likeness, at least for a portion of time, made this acceptable. I, I, I don't really feel this way, but just posing the question because I've seen a lot of college football fans out there that at least to some degree do feel this way about Nick Saban that he sees what Texas A&M has been able to do with name, image, and likeness. And what have they been able to do? Land the nation's number one recruiting class. He's got Georgia breathing down his neck. Georgia just unseated Alabama in a college football playoff national championship game. So you look at, I'm looking at rivals in 247 sports, both. Their team recruiting rankings for 2022. A&M's first, Georgia's third, Ohio State was fourth, and Texas was fifth. So if you know that, and maybe Texas is a bad example because what have they been able to do with talent uh, at any point in the last decade? Not much, right? One Sugar Bowl win over Georgia, and that's, that's it. But still, just from the perspective of you've got Soon to be three conference mates right there in the top five of the recruiting rankings with you. And one of them beat you in a national championship game. They're sitting right behind you in the team recruiting rankings. And the other team in Texas A&M, now now they've got the nation's top class. So a little reining it in of name, image, and likeness. Let's call it what it is. That's going to be beneficial for Nick Saban. That's going to be beneficial for for Alabama because right now the way they're going Connor they don't have to go down the road of paying for players services to come to their school they don't Alabama's a machine right now all of that all of the national championships conference championships that they've won Alabama recruits itself until Texas A&M comes in and is able to offer a better deal Georgia comes in is able to offer a better deal Ohio State, Texas, whichever program you want to throw out there toward the top of the rankings, that's got some powerful boosters ready to spend some money. Yeah, these these blue bloods aren't going to have a I mean a real problem with this. 
the NIL and all the money that's given out. It's those teams like outside the blue blood, like you mentioned, A&M, who are trying to get there. And Obviously, they've been doing that with the recruiting and the number one class they put together. But, I mean, these blue bloods are going to have to, you know, start doing something they don't want to do, and that's offering like offering players money to come play for them. Or trying, you know, to get these collectives set up to where you can be competitive from that standpoint. Brent Venables, he's been very clear at Oklahoma that if if that's the end-all, be-all, you're not going to be top on the priority list in terms of who Oklahoma wants to recruit and sign. But if we get to the world where most four stars and definitely most five stars are basically looking around trying to figure out what's the best financial number for me, can you win a national championship without bringing several of those players in? And if the answer is no, then you've got to figure out how to pay and bring some of those players in. Or we've got to get this thing under wraps to where it's not quite as wild, wild west as it is right now. And I'm sure that's what Nick Saban's thinking. We've got a great thing going right now. I'm landing all of these different talented players. but And, and it's not as if they didn't get their good haul of those in the 2022 class. And I'm sure they will in the 23 class too, but they they didn't get the six five stars that A&M got. They got four. They didn't get the five five stars that Georgia got. Again, they they got four, which four is a pretty good number. Would love for Oklahoma to sign four five stars. Interesting comments though from Nick Saban. We could kick it around this morning. There were some other some other thoughts from Nick Saban as well that we can share with you. Of course, we're gearing up for the Norman Regional Sooner Softball. I don't see having any problem with Prairie View A&M, but are we going to get a good indication in this Norman Regional, perhaps, of how this postseason will play out for the Sooners? We can kick that around this morning. And then there's a game on OU schedule, Connor, that if a couple of months ago you had just kind of run it by me, how important is this game for the Brent Venables era, or at least the start of it? How important is this game? What will it signal about 2022? I would have said not much. But I've I've come around a little bit that there's a game early on the schedule that's maybe more important than initially I thought it was. So let's hear a little bit from a little bit more from Nick Saban when we come back. Plus your phone calls, your text messages, whatever you guys want to dive into this morning. Oklahoma City Thunder. It's not really on my list of topics to talk about this morning, but if you're still reacting from OKC getting the number two overall pick in the NBA draft lottery, happy to react with you on that as well. Law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line, 405-329-9000. The Air Comfort Solutions text line is 405-651-3439. Opening T.O., Josh and Connor, it's the Plank Show. Back with you on the ref right after this. Sorry, Connor. Got to get organized in here. Got to get the 2022 PGA Championship rolling along in here. So my sincere apologies. Got to keep the people updated on what's happening out there at Southern Hills. Still got, still got Daly ahead, correct? John Daly, who I think pretty much everybody 
unanimously thought, great chance John Daly was going to go win this golf tournament, right? 100%. Yeah, but actually... He's falling uh, One back. under, yeah, yeah one he's, under. He's Starting back. off hot, and yeah, he's going to start maybe going down a little bit. Couple of birdies early, one bogey on number eight. How old is John Daly? Uh, Mid-50s? Mid yeah, or? 56. Pretty dang close. A young 56. He just He just turned 56 on April 28th. Did we hear, did he go gamble last night after after the practice round? Do we know? Probably been gambling every night. Are you kidding me? It's John Daly. Probably on the slot machines to about 2 a.m. and then got up for 7 a.m. tee off. He got that new Hooters deal. Did you see this? Him and his son signed that deal with Hooters? That was awesome. Yeah, I did see that. Good, good for them. So he's probably already lost that money on the gambling. Unless, who knows? Maybe maybe he's on a heater. I do not suspect that John Daly will be sticking around toward the top of the leaderboard. It's Will Zalatoris all alone right now at three under par. By the way, this hour of the Plank Show, hour number one, as always brought to us by Van Hoos Fence. That is vhfence.com. Get your fencing needs taken care of through the premier fence company in Oklahoma. They offer free estimates and customer satisfaction. That's their top priority. Get your fence back in shape before the summertime, which if you're trying to get it back in shape before the summertime, you are running out of time. So get in touch with them, 405-735-1167, or visit them online, vhfence.com. So the Nick Saban stuff is his comments. I'm looking up right now, Connor, and the – Morning hot takers. They are all over this. Skip and Shannon, they are undisputing back and forth as we speak. This is the big topic of the day, is what Nick Saban had to say about Texas A&M and about, well, where college football is headed and what they need to do to potentially fix it. And this was really good stuff. The Steel Man passed this along. And bear with us, it's not not short, but it's really, really good. Nick Saban talking about, can you lay all of the blame on the NCAA for where we're at? And here was Nick Saban. It's tough, and people blame the NCAA. But in defense of the NCAA, we are where we are right, because of the litigation that the NCAA gets, like the transfer portal. This is not going to change because they cannot enforce their rules, just like Nate said. We have a rule right now that says you cannot use name, image, and likeness to entice a player to come to your school. Hell, read about it in the paper. I mean, Jackson State paid a guy a million dollars last year that was a really good Division I player to come to school. It was in the paper, and they bragged about it. Nobody did anything about it. I mean, these guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for $400,000, it's in the newspaper. The guy tells you how he's doing it. So, um, but the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law. And that's an issue. That's a problem. And, and unless we get something that protects them from litigation, I don't know what we're going to do about it. Okay, good stuff from Nick Saban there. Unless, so that does a good job of explaining why why Clive Kauf, why Sankey, why they want to get Congress involved. Because from the punishment side, the enticement angle to all of this, 
and he's that that's that was well said from Nick Saban. You've got a player going to Jackson State that it's right there, million dollars to sign with Jackson State. Nigel Pack leaves Kansas State, goes to Miami, two years, eight hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand dollars a season. Texas A&M, okay, maybe that's not right out in the the newspapers. We're paying this player X dollar amount to come to College Station, but it's it's not a secret what's been going on at Texas A&M in terms of the pay-for-play. I hadn't really thought of that side of it. You know, the, the litigation, we've mentioned it in the past that probably that was a big hang-up for the NCAA. How can we avoid antitrust? How can we avoid lawsuits against ourselves? How can we not get in that type of hot water? And if they feel like they can't punish without something that protects them, you know, some sort of legal document, a a bill that Congress passes, then maybe maybe a lot of this won't get fixed until we see that happen, Connor. I I sort of was of the belief that you've got you've got a rule that's very clearly stated you cannot entice players to sign with a school and if you break that the the world we used to live in with the NCAA is if you're breaking some of these serious recruiting rules then guess what probation you know bowl ban loss of scholarships I still think there's a world where they can act and punish schools minus Congress getting involved, but maybe there, maybe there isn't, Connor. Well, and you, like, Jackson State shouldn't be getting, like, a top – I mean, no disrespect to Jackson State, but they shouldn't be getting one of the top recruits if there's not money involved. But Deion Sanders last night, did you see what he said? He denied what Nick Saban had to say last night about Jackson State paying for that player. I mean, wasn't that pretty well publicized that that's exactly what happened? That's that's what it seemed like, but yeah, it's just a you can't you're just seeing a lot of these coaches like getting a grip of this NIL and using it to their advantage, which I guess the NCAA didn't really think about that when they started this all this NIL about how the coaches would, you know, take advantage of this. Yeah, here's Coach Prime. You best believe I will address that lie, all caps on lie, Coach Saban told tomorrow. I was awakened by my son that sent me the article stating that we paid Travis Hunter a million to play at Jackson State. We as a people don't have to pay our people to play with our people. Well, okay, if if they didn't pay Hunter to come to Jackson State, where was the pushback from coach prime at any point previously before Nick Saban brought this up yeah you just don't know you don't you don't just get a five-star guy out of nowhere to go to Jackson State okay maybe maybe it wasn't a million dollars but he he came to Jackson State for free Uh, yeah I don't I don't think that's how it, it played out by the way Tiger Woods putting for birdie on hole 14 It is en route to the cup, and it is bottom 
of the Cup. Tiger Woods early, two under par at the 2022 PGA Championship. Tiger, looking good, looking good early. Starting off hot, and I think, I mean, Oklahoma's just been kind of just waiting for this PGA Championship and to see, you know, Tiger Woods play in Oklahoma. Yeah, well, if he gets in and stays in contention, he's going to take Southern Hills over. It'll be easily the biggest story there, trumping even a local player. Like, I'd love to see anybody with OU or Oklahoma State ties, Oklahoma ties, play well and win this PGA Championship. But the gallery is going to be – they're going to be pulling for Tiger Woods. That grouping is playing well. McElroy's atop the board now, too. He's three under par. And that's a guy I kind of want to see. Jordan ma- Spieth is under par? Jordan Spieth. McElroy's kind of a guy I want to see make a run. He hasn't really, you know, played his best golf this kind of this decade. His first 26 majors, he was on a roll. And they they had a stat in his last 26 majors. He hasn't won a major. And so he won four in his first 26 one four, and then his last twenty six majors, he really hasn't been in. Well, he hadn't won attention. any. Yeah, not even like really close to the leaderboard. Yeah, his big problem is, and his tee shot is out hooking right. So look out, McElroy. No, okay. Somehow found somehow stayed in and found the fairway. His he problem is struggle. Been, he struggles when there's, you know, when it's on the line when he's competing for the leader spot, but when he has no pressure. He's himself. good late. He's good late. He's bad early. So it's a good sign for him that he's three under par. Before we hop to this this timeout here, back to the name, image, likeness conversation and Nick Saban's comments. There's no doubt that if a bill gets passed, all of a sudden it's all easier. The punishment side is easier. You've got that legal protection to where you're not you're not worried about a lawsuit coming back your way, or you're not nearly as worried. Then not only would the rules be clearly stated, but there's there's a bill, there's a law behind you from Congress defending you. I'm not sure we ever get to that point. It'd be great if we did, and I would hope the law would still read for players to be able to profit, again, off their name, image, and likeness, but just crack down on the enticement side of this. On even really a little bit of the collective side of this, some of those comments we saw from the NCAA where they don't want boosters really involved in collectives, I'm good with all of that. But look, if you're a star player or you're a player that has a lot of personality and you're popular – and a company wants to endorse you, then you should be able to endorse that product. Yeah, as far I'm, all, as I'm, I'm all for that. I just don't like the I just don't like the coaches getting involved with this. They're really changing this whole nil. But I still, and I've been pining for this. You have to get something put into place, whether or not it's from the NCAA or if it's just Power Five administrators and presidents, whoever the power trust needs to be. Create your own infractions board. Pay for it, create it, and then enforce it. Enforce it, and let's get this thing a little bit back closer to what it was. Take a time out. 
the PGA Championship rolling along from Southern Hills and all of our updates brought to us by Elite Roofing Systems. It's Josh and Connor here with you. Plank Show right here on The Ref. Let's talk about Let's talk about one of the games early in the schedule for Oklahoma football that I wasn't worried about, and I'm still not worried about it, but I do think it's maybe going to be a better indicator for how 2022 can play out than maybe I initially thought. That's coming up next right here on The Rev. Hour number one brought to us by Van Hoos Fence. We are rolling, rolling along on a Thursday. VHFence.com. Get your fencing needs taken care of through the premier fence company in Oklahoma. 405-735-1167. PGA Championship. It is underway from Southern Hills. We've got all the updates coming your way. All morning and afternoon long, I'm sure. I still need to uh, shout out to our man, Matt Reynolds. Maybe we can just call and bug him on the course here in a little bit. Connor, how was your night? Good morning to you, my friend. We've sat here and kicked it around for a little over a half hour. And I don't think I – very rude of me today. It's not very kind. Not the first time. Not the first time and probably won't be the last time, but I do apologize. How was your night? And how are you this morning, my friend? It was fine. I was actually uh, I was getting ready for some Mavs Warriors last night, and then my Roku TNT app was not working. So I got on Twitter and I saw that everyone else was having the same problem. And it was, so a bunch of people have Roku. Yeah. So I use so I use the TNT app on my Roku, and it was not working, and it wasn't working for everyone else. So oh I did, I did not get to watch the game. Oh. Terrible, terrible. So you've you've cut the cord, and that that's how you take in any of the TNT broadcasts. Correct. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't miss much, but I mean, I really haven't stayed on top of the NBA much. This I don't season. know. That sounds like an emotional distress situation for you. I think you might. Speaking of legal cases, I think you might have one with with TNT. I may have one. Not my first time I've had a TNT issue, but yeah. I mean, I was just gonna watch the NBA for a little bit. I really haven't watch much of it this year this is probably the least amount of time i watched the nba well unfortunately for our dallas mavericks fans it was you didn't miss out on much last night i so we had the well there was a graduation i was involved in streaming for us last night and anyways lo and behold i didn't get home until the second half of this game last night and it was it wasn't even worth watching it was so boring Golden State wins last night, 112-87. to It really wasn't very entertaining from the moment I flipped it on. I think this is still going to be a really good series, and you can't get too carried away in an NBA playoff series when one result turns out like this. Look at what Dallas did in its final game to Phoenix. Golden State, John Morant is lost for the season, lost for that series, and what happens in that game, right after we find out that John Morant's not going to play, yeah, they don't they don't play well. Memphis together. Oh no, Memphis crushed Golden State, crushed them. Everybody was look. I was in the same camp. Thought the series was over. Well, yeah, that that first game when after the first game they play without John Morant, where they win by thirty plus. Oh yeah, they, they got up by fifty, I think, at one point. So all of that is to say. One game in an NBA playoff series won't necessarily define a series. I do kind of think that in this particular instance, 
to me, it feels like we're trending toward Golden State's winning the NBA title again, and it's going to be the Warriors' chance to say, you thought the dynasty was dead. It's been injuries these last several years that have kept us from from winning more rings. But we shall see. And, and that was uh, last night. But glad to hear your night was good outside of you didn't, didn't get the Roku situation working. Text line is already rolling along. The Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. The folks coming in hot and heavy with the takes. What do we got over there, Connor? Thoughts on OU maybe not bringing the better talent from the portal, but definitely the production of all the players is higher than what we lost. Yeah, you, you've you lost some talented guys, both uh, five-star quarterbacks Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams. Mario Williams, did ESPN – I don't look at their recruiting rankings nearly as often – as I do 24-7 sports, rivals, on three. I don't put as much stock into their recruiting rankings, but I think on ESPN's Mario Williams, I think he was a five-star, but whatever. So five-star, four-star, he was a at the very least a consensus four-star wide receiver, and I think by ESPN regarded as a five-star, that's a substantial loss. Jaden Hazelwood, once upon a time, five-star receiver, You lost him. I like what Oklahoma's done in the transfer portal. I'm not ready to say that the sum of the parts are bigger than the impact of what you've lost. And we'll see about Caleb Williams. Saw a lot of great from Caleb Williams initially. The comeback versus Texas. Texas Tech game, TCU games come to mind then obviously the end of the season was not great for Caleb Williams versus Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Got back to more of what you expected versus Oregon in the bowl game. I'm still very bullish on what I think Caleb Williams' career trajectory is going to wind up being. I think he's a star quarterback. I think he was a five-star quarterback for a reason. That's a big-time loss for Oklahoma. Mario Williams, I think – had the opportunity to to be one of the really good ones around here moving forward, and you lost that. I do like what OU's added, though. They've uh, These couple of wide receivers, we'll see how much the Bunkley kid adds to Oklahoma. The defensive additions up front, Jonah Laula, I think, has a chance to be very impactful for OU. Jeffrey Johnson, again, chance to be impactful for OU. The defensive backfield, what they've added there has a chance to be good. I just, I've seen a little bit of Caleb Williams. I've seen a little bit of Mario Williams. So, and, you know, we saw Jeffrey Johnson firsthand in that opener, but how is that going to translate over the course of the entirety of a Power Five season? I think well, but again, I'm, I'm just going to wait and see on those guys. They've, I would done, probably, they've, they've done a great job replacing what they lost and, the defensive line was a big one, and like you said, going to get Jeffrey Johnson, who we saw in week one against Tulane. So I like how they're loading up up front on that defensive line. You know, I think McCade Matalier might wind up being the most impactful of any of those guys if we get to the point to where we see Oklahoma's offensive line resemble more of what we've 
become accustomed to a Bill Bedenboe Oklahoma offensive line looking like. If they're moving guys around and we're not week after week, because last season, Connor, it was every postgame show, every pregame show, before the postgame show, Tyler McComas, myself, Mike Steely, everybody, Toby, Teddy, Plank in in his appearances on the, the pregame shows throughout the week. What's it going to take? When is this offensive line going to turn the corner? And it never really fully got there. If we have less of that next season, I think a lot of that's probably going to be in part because of McCade Mataglia's acquisition uh, addition from the University of Cal. I mean, that's somebody that started a lot of football. Granted, it was at Cal. It wasn't at Oklahoma. But he's an experienced Power 5 guy. So, I don't know. I, I would probably side with the star power they've lost is a little bit greater than maybe the additions that they've gotten. But my mind could change quickly if, again, in the defensive backfield, if Trey Morrison is a difference maker. C.J. Colton, when he comes over from Wyoming here in the next couple of weeks this summer, if that's another difference maker back there for Oklahoma, then, okay, I'm going to turn around and say, no, yeah, the what they got out of the transfer portal was bigger and greater than what they lost. That's a that's a good question. That's something that we'll have to revisit as we progress throughout this 2022 season. I've rambled. Sorry about that. We've got a ton more to hit on the text line. Let's just do that. We'll clean up our number one with the text line. I'll reach out to Matt Reynolds, and then I'll tell you which game early on the schedule for Oklahoma could be a good indicator. Spoiler alert, it's not Texas. That game always going to be an important one and a good indicator of how OU season is going to go. It's not Texas. I can tell you that much. We'll start hour number two with that. Take a quick TO, wrap up hour number one with your thoughts next on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Josh and Connor, it's the Plank Show on the ref. VHFence.com. That's where you can get all of your fencing needs taken care of through the premier fence company in Oklahoma, Van Hoos Fence. They offer free estimates, customer satisfaction. That's their top priority. So get your fence back in shape before the summertime swings upon us here in these, uh, well, next couple of weeks. Summer is here, ladies and gents, just about. Still time to get in touch with them at Van Hoos Fence, 405-735-1167. Connor, <laughs> when I start thinking about comparing and contrasting what OU has brought in in the transfer portal versus what they've lost. One thing I'm, I I realized this over the break that I'm guilty of for whatever reason, Dylan Gabriel is so entrenched as Oklahoma's starting quarterback that I've, I've not, I'm not thinking of him as a transfer quarterback for some reason. So when I mix that into the fold with Jonah Laula, with, Jeffrey Johnson with the defensive backs, with the, the offensive line addition, with these wide receivers, I can be talked into that the sum of the parts is greater than the star power they've lost. I probably, until I see a little bit more, I'm going to lean star power lost, but I, I just realized it's for whatever reason. I don't think of, I think of Dylan Gabriel in a different light instead of as a transfer quarterback. So that has tilted the scales for me much closer. Doesn't really, I mean, yeah, he doesn't really feel like a transfer, and some of that has to do with, I mean, immediately Levy named him the starting quarterback, like, way before, like, even, like, workouts and everything, so he just felt like an OU starter from the get-go. 
What else do we got on the Air Comfort Solutions text line? We promised it before we get out of here for hour number one. Do you guys think that with Brent Venables going to do about the things off the field, before with that being said, if he has terrible results football-wise, will it be hard to be – Will it be hard to fire him considering the impact he's made off the field and what's all he's doing or his football results, the end, all be all? Oh, I think that he's going to buy himself some good grace. with, And I assume you're talking about soul mission and just everything that Brent Vittables is bringing to the program in that regard. And Brent Vittables, the way that he treats the media – is going to get him a longer leash. If you go up and you're just a massive jerk to everybody, in believe it or not, in media settings, if you're just just a jerk, then guess what? The stories out there that are written about you when things are going going great, they're not going to be as flowery. Well, and you're not going to be a likable dude too. And I think everyone loves how bought in Venables is and like how much he's like in with the University of Oklahoma, attending all the sporting events, and everybody just loves being around him. And then when things – agreed. And then when things are going poorly, the media is really going to come down on you hard if you're a jerk. Brent Venables is not those things. He gives the media the complete time of day, gives the fan base the complete time of day. So he's going to have a little bit longer leash from that. Plus, he's already had the long stand at Oklahoma before this. But yes, end all be all is the results. That's it for hour number one. Matt Reynolds, we think, next from the 2022 PGA Championship. Rory McElroy has added another birdie. He has four consecutive birdies now. Birdies at 12, 13, 14, 15 at Southern Hills, and he is four under par early on what is his front nine on the back nine to start here in round one at Southern Hills. Again, uh, all of our updates all week long from Matt Reynolds and at the PGA Championship brought to us by Elite Roofing Systems. Max Homa, he just won a tournament, I believe the Wells Fargo, and he's playing great here early. He's three under par with Zalatoris. John Daly, he's got a birdie back, baby. John Daly is at two under par. Robert McIntyre, two under par. Chris Kirk, Shoffley, Streelman, Justin Rose, Davis Riley, who I've never heard of, at two under par. And let's see, Tiger Woods is bogeyed? Oh, man. Tiger Woods has bogeyed number 15, so now he's fallen back. He did have a couple of early birdies. He is one under par. This early wave getting underway from southern hills so we'll keep you updated on everything going on in the 2022 pga championship again all of our coverage presented by elite roofing systems which game connor if okay let's play this game 2022 college football season first season in norman first season as a head football coach for one Brent Venables. There's going to be a lot of a lot of moments this year where either positive or negative things happen and we shall overreact. 
this this indicates how the next however many years are going to play out with Brent Venables. As you look at the schedule for next season, what's maybe the two or three games that you look at that are going to indicate the most to you how 2022 is going to play out in maybe projecting forward how Venable's tenure at Oklahoma is going to play out? I think it's an early non-conference game with Nebraska that catches my eye because, I mean, last season the three to nine record, but I mean, so many losses to like single digit losses and Lincoln's not an easy place to play. So, and it's early, early non-conference game. I'm not saying OU's going to lose, but I mean, you'll see a tough task early on, but then obviously OU Texas too later on. Cause I mean, the Texas, obviously they recruited well again. So we expect another, you know, good Red River showdown between the two so Nebraska and Texas really catch my eye and that's early in the season anything else on the schedule that you feel like is a a good litmus test TCU and Fort Worth uh, Kansas State has beaten uh, Oklahoma recently not last season but Kleiman had handed OU a couple of losses Iowa State how do you feel about Iowa State Iowa State names I was about to mention that too and it's on a Thursday night, so a little different. You don't have as many days to prepare. So, I mean, it'll be tough for both teams, OU and Iowa State, but, I mean, Iowa State could be a little a little scary in names. See, I think Iowa State's going to stink. They could. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, they didn't really bring much back. I mean, West, I mean, West Virginia in Morgantown, you have the Georgia – transfer coming in he'll be the new head guy for West JT Virginia. JT yeah JT so Daniels see how that goes Oklahoma State that's late so it's that could be a season defining game and how we remember 2022 but it's hard to look at Bedlam in the second to last week of the season and say that's going to be the game that sets the trajectory sets the course for how this season is remembered Baylor obviously and Norman too will be one of the tougher tests on the schedule. You, you nailed it, though, right off the top. Again, a couple of months ago, if you had asked me, how important is that Nebraska game for OU? I would have said, you know, yeah, it's the, it's the first road test. It's the first road game, period, that Brent Venables will have coached as a head coach. But it's against a Nebraska team that, well, it's a Nebraska program that, quite frankly, has not been very good for a long time. They finished 3-9 and nine a year ago. They were just 1-8 and eight in the Big Ten Conference. But, a, a new signal caller in Casey Thompson, who we've seen a lot, or, yeah, a lot of last season. He really showed out against OU. Yeah, I would say so. Through five touchdown passes, right? Did he? How many yards did Casey Thompson throw for against... Oklahoma. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up. I'm gonna have it in two seconds. What what would your guess be? I four four eighty. Okay, so a <laughs> little bit less than that. Three hundred eighty eight. Felt like four eighty. It did felt like forty eight. Yeah, in the first half, the numbers were really off the charts. I mean, I think he had over at least over two hundred in the first half. And he threw for five touchdown passes in the game. 
Casey Thompson, we know, headed to Nebraska. This is the not same Nebraska team, but some of the same personnel that came to Norman and in that beginning stretch of the season where you, I, everybody nationally was waiting for this OU team to resemble what Oklahoma was billed to be going into 2021, which was bona fide college football playoff contender, clear-cut best in the Big 12 Conference, national championship-type aspirations. Remember, before the season, we had folks on the ESPN desks talking about OU. This was the year they were not Georgia. It was going to be Oklahoma. Oh, baby. Steelman has strolled into the studio. Jimbo called an impromptu press conference, and Jimbo has responded at Texas A&M. So that, that is right around the corner here. He just did that, too. Ten, yeah, 10 o'clock Central Time. He just came out with the statement. That is hot off the presses. Thank you, Steelman. Have that for you next segment. That, that was the expectation, though, for Oklahoma. National championship-type team. Hadn't seen it. Hadn't seen anything really that looked like it from Oklahoma. Instead, you had a near loss to Tulane at home and the Western Carolina performance, which, again, you take nothing out of that. Nebraska comes to Norman. I was pregame calling for this to be the moment where, okay, will the real Sooners please stand up? And they did. They did show up once more in that game in Norman, Oklahoma. But it was not the Oklahoma routes Nebraska that I was expecting, that I was looking for. Instead, OU, another close win. 23-16 to was the final for that one last season. So a 3-9 and Nebraska team came here to Norman and gave you everything you wanted. Kept that thing close, lost 23-16. to Well, they, they did that to about everyone, everybody. everyone last year, too, so... I mean that's why that's why this is a game to keep your eye out on, and especially since it's in Lincoln. Well, and meanwhile, conversely, what did Oklahoma do? They did the opposite of Nebraska. They played everybody close, but pulled pulled away from it at least early, right? In that nine and zero start, obviously lost a couple of the final three regular season games and didn't go to the Big Twelve championship game. We know that, but. Early on, that was sort of the complete reversal of Nebraska, and we saw that in Norman. OU finds a way to win 23-16, to but just going up and down OU's schedule from last year. Tulane, 40-35 to you win. Nebraska, we talked about that. West Virginia, the, the late field goal to win, 16-13. At Kansas State, 37-31. Texas, get down big early, come charging back late, win by one score, 55-48. Kennedy Brooks, touchdown, scamper. TCU, okay, that's nice. A little bit more like what you wanted to see. Kansas, what the hell was that in Lawrence, Kansas? Texas Tech, another nice performance. And then the Baylor loss. Iowa State, you win. Not very good at home, though. Oklahoma State, fall apart uh, in that second half. Don't score an offensive point in the second half in Stillwater and lose. It's seen on the 2021 Oklahoma schedule. Nebraska, total opposite. Total opposite. Gets started off with a... Close loss at Illinois, 30-22. to Fordham, who cares about that game? Buffalo, 28-3. to Oklahoma, you know the score there. In overtime, lose to Michigan State. Nice win versus Northwestern. They routed them last season. Michigan, 32-29. Close loss. Minnesota, 
at Minnesota. Close loss, one score. Purdue, one score loss. Ohio State, remember, final score is 26-17. That game at times, maybe even a little bit closer than that. At Wisconsin, one score loss. Iowa, led that game for a while. Blew it in the second half. One score loss. So, total opposites in what Oklahoma did last season and what Nebraska did last season. Nebraska finishes, I get it, 3-9 and nine team. That's sort of been the type of program they are. 5-7, and seven, not a bowl team program. Scott Frost, we know, look, if it's not fixed with Casey Thompson this season and they're not a bowl team and really not a contending team in the Big Ten West because that thing is, look, it's wide open. I love the running back at uh, Wisconsin, but Graham Mertz, does he strike fear into the hearts of opponents? Not really. Spitzer Petrus at Iowa, that's the defending Big Ten West champion. Not very good, right? They're, they're in the midst of a, they don't even know if he's going to be the starting quarterback in Iowa City next year. Minnesota, unbelievably, Tanner Morgan's back for another season. <laughs> Played like 40 years up there at Minnesota. But the bottom line is that thing's wide open for Nebraska. So if they're not a Big Ten West contending team, Scott Frost, he's out after this year. Three and nine a year ago, one and eight in the Big Ten. But given what the Big Ten West landscape looks like, I don't think the I don't think Nebraska's beaten Wisconsin. I think that's who's going to win the Big Ten West. But Iowa, Minnesota, I think they can beat those teams. And certainly, if OU's not who we're hoping, not who we think Oklahoma is going to be, Nebraska's capable of beating Oklahoma in Lincoln. And more importantly than that, Connor, the reason I've come around on this game as not what I would describe it shouldn't be scary. You shouldn't be overly worried about this game as an Oklahoma fan. If OU is who we think they are, and I, I do think Oklahoma is the most talented team in the Big 12 Conference, and last year we went into the season thinking, okay, Oklahoma, this gulf between the Sooners and everybody else was maybe wider than it's ever been before. Crazily enough, after some of the losses, Petrie and company at Baylor, everybody defensively that Oklahoma State lost, until I see Kansas State improved with an Adrian Martinez, ironically enough, from Nebraska, alongside Deuce Vaughn, until I see Baylor withstand the... You know, Bohanna transferred out because now Shapin's going to be the quarterback down there in Waco. Some of the losses that they've had across the board at running back, obviously now new quarterback sort of in Waco. Until I see Baylor look like what we saw Baylor look like last season, and I need to see a little bit more from Oklahoma State, I kind of think OU, if OU's what we expect Oklahoma to be in 2022, I think the gap going into next season is wider than what the perceived gap was going into 2021. Now, having said all that, if you go and lose in Lincoln, you start thinking about OU's schedule, Connor. This is what has made me come around on this game's importance. You go to Lincoln and lose? Are you kidding me? Kansas State at home? Yeah, absolutely that's losable. TCU and Fort Worth? Well, all bets are off now. You went and lost in Lincoln. 
You could lose to TCU. Texas, I'm not really going to be super high on Quinn Ewers and company. I love the skill talent. B. John Robinson, Xavier Worthy. I, I like that about Texas. Not crazy about the defense. But rivalry game in Dallas, it took everything to rally back and win that game. Kansas, okay, you're beating Kansas. Iowa State, again, I told you, I think they stink. Baylor, losable. West Virginia, losable. Oklahoma State, losable. So if Oklahoma and the first road test goes poorly and goes sour in Lincoln, Nebraska, while you shouldn't be concerned going in, I don't think, if Oklahoma's what they're supposed to be or build to be, if they lose, okay, wow, now there's a lot of other dates on the schedule to where this thing could turn into a bit of a mess in Brent Venable's first season and then projecting forward. Because that's a, I mean, that's a pretty tough three-game stretch out um, after Lincoln. The Kansas State, TCU, and Texas, like you mentioned. But the good thing for Oklahoma, the Baylor and the Oklahoma State, that you got to look forward to later on in the season is at home. So that's good news for Oklahoma. It is great news for Oklahoma. Thank you for coming to my Nebraska Cornhuskers 3-9. and nine. This is in an important football game talk. Thanks for playing along, everybody. Hour number two of the Plank Show. We are zipping along. It's brought to us by Allison Insurance, 405-745-2968, allisoninsurance.com. Health insurance, life insurance, Medicare supplements, HSAs, and more. Bob and Robert Allison, they can find the needs to best fit you and your office for insurance. Allison Insurance, they've been helping you and your family for over 60 years. So, Matt Reynolds, I was thinking we are going to have in the bottom half of this hour. I think he wants to hop in next he's he's doubting he wants to not miss tiger woods and mcelroy and jordan spieth on the back nine i'm sure that's the group that he's following right now we've got jimbo fisher texas a&m head football coach has responded this morning we've got to get to that this hour so busy hour number two plus your phone calls your text messages as well let's head out to southern hills though next right here it's josh and connor it's the plank show right here the home of sooner fans the ref I've been dishonest, Connor. I have led our audience astray. Matt Reynolds and I are not on the same page this morning. All of our updates, though, brought to us by Elite Roofing Systems. We'll track him down eventually. You know what? I can't fault the guy one bit. He's enjoying his time at the tournament. Nothing Ah, wrong with that. Look, Tiger Woods, McElroy, Jordan Spieth, all of the star power out there at Southern Hills – he should be paying attention to those guys and following the action. He doesn't He doesn't need to be calling us and providing us updates on a round that we're already watching. So it's it's all good. He can enjoy the golf. Plus, we've got a bunch of, bunch of your text messages we still need to hit. But how about Jimbo Fisher, who we thought Nick Saban came out guns a-blazing? Well... Jimbo has responded, Connor. That's what we want to play first, the Jimbo response cut over there. That's a very pissed man right there. Yes, he is not happy. Is is Matt Riddle taking on? We got Matt, yep. All right, punch him up. We won't keep him very long. Matt, what is going on? Good morning, my friend. How is the 2022 PGA Championship? 
It is busy, fellas, and I got all the time you need, so you keep me busy. But it is, uh, it's been a great morning on the front, uh, well, in the back nine, front nine, but he's playing the back nine. I've been calling Tiger Woods, basically seeing every other hole, um, because it's impossible to actually follow this guy and see every hole. I have never in my life seen crowds like we're seeing today. I mean, it is incredible, the circus that is on. So, I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and there's 12 deep. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things we've talked about with Rory is these major championships, Matt. He just has not gotten off to good starts. Well, he's through seven and four under today, off to a good start in a major championship. And maybe finally at Southern Hills, this can be the week where he he ticks off major number seven or major number five. Oh, it, it could be the week. You're exactly right. The starts have been a big trouble for Rory McIlroy. That being said, I'm I'm going to play a little devil's advocate on you and say I think he played well at the Masters and he's played well on Saturday and Sunday at some of these majors because here lately he hasn't put himself in a position to actually for it to matter. He knew there was no chance he won on such a Masters and went out there and played three. How will he play if he is leaving this tournament tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday? Uh, that that's the I think it's a fair question because, again, like you said, he did play great. He, he was the best player on the course Sunday at Augusta National. But, again, that was not the best player on the course while in contention to win a major championship. So that's a fair concern, fair question to have is how does Rory handle that if he is, in fact, leading this tournament through 18 holes, through 36 holes, heading into the weekend and beyond. How about John Daly, two under to start this thing? Hey, J.D. came out this morning. He had his 44-ounce uh, guy coat, two darts in his mouth, and uh, he came out firing. So hit the flag there. That was really cool to see. And, uh, you know, he's really stayed hot since. I don't think he can actually contend, obviously, but he makes the cut. He makes the cut. It'd be a really big story. Tiger Woods, I know that that's the group right there. Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, that's what everybody's interested in following today. So a couple of early birdies for Tiger. He's given one back, but what have you seen from Tiger so far? Tiger's been really good and uh, a lot of shots there. Pretty nice shot. I think he's about three feet on the 17th green. Tiger's been excellent for the most part. Uh, What's impressive, Josh, and you're going to see this when you get out here on the weekend if he's here. Hopefully, everybody's here. But the guy is hitting 220-yard iron shots when everyone else is hitting, you know, 170, 180. Uh, he's really having to hit from further back just with his age. And these young guys, you know, Rory and Sweet, they have a long way. And so that's been the, the most uh, interesting part of today is just looking at the comparison uh, across the board and him being able to do it able to do at his age with his incrementally going through health-wise. And at the high level, he's being able to do it. I sit there and watch him hit a 225-yard iron shot within about 10 feet of the green, and everyone else was closer, but he ended up being closest. So it just kind of shows the guy's still got it in there. You just wonder how can he help, you know, hold up health-wise. 
And he's been pretty transparent about it that that Monday after the Masters, I mean, the, the body was not feeling good and it was more difficult as the week went along for him. He says he's further along physically, obviously, than he was at Augusta National, but that's a legitimate question when you think about Tiger Woods and if he stays in red figures and continues to go in a positive direction, how is that body going to hold up over the course of the weekend? It's a fair question to wonder. Just overall, we, we see Rory McIlroy atop the board, Justin Rose, another player that's off to a good start at three under par, Will Zalatoris, three under par. The early way the leaderboard's stacking up here in morning number one on this Thursday from Southern Hills, what are your kind of early takeaways and then the course itself it looks gorgeous i mean it looks immaculate looking at this uh on tv and on espn plus and everything but your early impressions of what the leaderboard looks like and just how is the course playing and how great does it look right that right now out there in person it is as i haven't seen it on tv but i can see it without a doubt it probably is not doing it justice it's just absolutely gorgeous uh, very well maintained and I love how they cut around the greens. That's the biggest thing we're noticing here early on. Uh, seeing Cameron Smith, who his group is right in front of Tiger Woods, so I mean, they put their groups back, back, back off that 10 feet this morning. And Cam Smith really uh, on 12, if, if you were able to see that on television, that's how this place is playing. Uh, and he's able to you know, get it out. He, he hit it in the deep rough, and he's still for it. But it was really the second shot of the penalty that was the biggest deal for me and that he couldn't get it to the green. And because the grass is so short around the green, it rolled right back down into a bunker, giving him an even number shot. He ended up double bogey in the hole. So you're going to see that the rollout is really what people should pay attention for. It's not necessarily a ton of deep rough. There's some spots, but it's the rollouts around the green. And I think a great chipper of the golf ball to win this golf tournament. Well, we're going to be checking in with you all day long from out there at Southern Hills PGA Championship updates brought to us by Elite Roofing Systems. And then you and I on Saturday, come out and see us, the Gimme Zone. We are going on the road to Lexus of Tulsa from 10 to noon before we head back on over to Southern Hills. So that's going to be fun. Matt, one final question, and then we'll let you get back to the fun fun part, which is, of course, following these golfers around the course today. What are you looking forward to What are you with a watchful eye? What are you wanting to watch the rest of the way throughout Tiger Woods' round, the early golfers here, and then as we make our way eventually into the afternoon wave? I'm really interested in how does Max Holman and Zalatoris hold up. Those are two guys that were good sleepers coming into the week. They have started out really hot. Can they keep this up? I think they can. I think at least one of them will be towards the top, if not both of them. Uh, but watching them through the, the next nine holes that they're about to play, are they able to hold that up? Uh, because those are two guys that you think about legacies. And, Josh, they're both pretty young still. Will much Guys, people get change this weekend with the big. No doubt. And it would be a heck of a story for Cam Smith if, after the way – the Sunday at the Masters didn't turn out for him and the way it worked against him and he fell apart there. It would be quite the story if his redeeming act is in the immediate major following it. So it's going to be fun, man. Hey, we'll let you get out of here at least for the moment and go have fun, man. Thanks, 
out there at the PGA Championship, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with you this weekend, buddy. Appreciate your updates out there. That is Matt Reynolds from the 2022 PGA Championship right here in the great state of Oklahoma at Southern Hills. Let's reset Jimbo Fisher after a break. Let's let's take a break, come back, Jimbo Fisher. Let's see if he has any ammunition left after unleashing on Nick Saban and Alabama. (laughs) All I can say, my immediate reaction is, when do these two play? Next season, what date is that? October? Get your popcorn ready. Oh, are you kidding me? I can't wait. Can not wait. We'll play all of Jimbo Fisher. We played a little bit of it for you. Let's play all of it next right here. It's the Plank Show, Hour 2. Josh and Connor, home of Sooner fans, it's the ref. Hot Shell Ray. Is that who this is? You're correct. Who is that? I've heard this song, but... I've heard this song, but this like I, never, I never knew it was whoever Hot Chili Ray is. It doesn't matter. Nah, nah, nah. It's, it's all right. I like it. It's good. Yeah, good little, good little throwback. Nice little, you know, sort of happy, happy mood and vibes to that song. So, Jimbo Fisher has sounded off. We played the first cut for you. And by the way... Texas A&M, Alabama, same day as OU Texas. It is that October 8th. We, of course, don't have a time for it yet. It is to be determined when that game will kick off. It's going to, you would imagine, be that afternoon CBS game. But let's, since we had Matt Reynolds join us, which, yes, I saw your text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Cell reception agreed was a little bit of a challenge for our man Matt Reynolds and I just want you the listener to understand that absolutely I did think on think about bailing on it but I didn't I didn't have the heart to I was a coward and so my sincere apologies for that though moving forward might find some courage to say all right well we can't hear you see you later but since Matt Reynolds kind of was spliced in there in between Let's just reset the whole sequencing of events here. We heard what Nick Saban had to say. He he didn't hold back. He went after Texas A&M, and he went after Jimbo Fisher, and he said that Texas A&M bought every single player that is on that roster. And Texas A&M, whoop. Okay, well, hang on a second. Nick Saban's not wrong if, indeed, Texas A&M is paying players to go to College Station. He's not wrong. Now, if it's if it's a collective, once you're here at College Station, over the course of your college career, you'll make however many thousands of dollars a year. That would be a little bit different, but again, that gets into the gray area of what is enticement and what is not. If it's as simple as $100,000 to sign with Texas A&M, okay, then, yeah, you are breaking the rules, Jimbo Fisher, as they are clearly stated by uh, what the NCAA has put out there in terms of name, image, and likeness, uh, name, image, and likeness, and not enticing players. Now, 
whether or not the NCAA is going to enforce that or anybody is going to enforce that or Power Five administrators and presidents are going to come up with something, a different board away from the NCAA to enforce that. That's its own its own conversation entirely. And for Texas A&M and for Jimbo Fisher, while it is it is against the rules, clearly stated against the rules to entice players to sign there, look, if the NCAA is not going to enforce anything and nobody else is going to enforce anything, then round of applause from me. Way to go, Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. Cutting corners, whatever avenues you have to take to get the number one overall recruiting class. Here's a little bit more. Jimbo Fisher was not done uh, with his rant. In fact, he's so not done with his rant that he's done with Nick Saban. Wow. Woo! Give me a good weekend of football. <laughs> Man. It's going to be a great barbecue with Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, isn't it? We got to get these two together for a family reunion, don't you think? Former assistant. Not going to get along. Not going to be a good. Yeah, but don't you want party. the drama? I just invite me to the barbecue. We'll all hang out. Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher can fight. We are done. He's done with uh, Nick Saban. I mean,. I don't think Alabama's by any stretch of the imagination clean. Now, have they been paying for players in this recent little wave here of name, image, and likeness? Probably not, or at least not to the degree that I think Texas A&M probably has been. Because, again, when you get Alabama to the point that Alabama is at, and you're winning those national championships, and you're winning the conference championships in the in the world's best conference, the SEC, where – it means more to win that league than it does to win the Big 12 or the ACC and the Big 10 or the Pac-12. You, you don't have to do the same uh, pay-for-play that other folks have to do to get to where you're at. But the idea that Nick Saban or Alabama from day one, that there wasn't some shenanigans in some way, shape, or form for Nick Saban to build that thing up, okay, well, you could talk me into – there were some shenanigans along the way at some point. I think Jimbo's just mad that a coach finally came out and brought this situation up, what A&M is doing. So that's probably why Jimbo's a little frustrated about all this. But, I mean, hate to say it, but, I mean, he is breaking the rules. So Yes, if they are paying players to sign with Texas A&M, he's breaking the rules. And the other thing he's doing here, well, first of all, he's making October 8th between – his Aggies at Alabama look like one of the best games on the season. And, you know, I can't wait to see Bryce Young score 50 and throw for, you know, 500 yards against the Aggies and, you know, totally route Texas A&M down there in Tuscaloosa. That environment's going to be nuts. But secondly, the other thing he's doing, he's making himself a target for the NCAA or – for any group of a punishment board, if and when we really get there, to where if you're coming out and you're you're saying that no, we haven't done any of this, and how dare they, how dare you accuse me of this, and that's downright despicable. If you're the one out there being dirty and paying players, 
then okay, look out. You better you better hope like heck that you are clean and you're not paying players and enticing players to come to College Station because eventually when the guillotine comes slamming down, if you're the one going and doing these press conferences and making a stink about how dare Nick Saban and I'm done with Nick Saban and, oh, he's the greatest ever. Why? Why is he the greatest ever? Because he's got all the advantages in the world? Okay, well, he made, Nick Saban did, a lot of those advantages by winning. Were there some shenanigans maybe leading up to it? Yeah, you could talk me into that. But Nick Saban is the advantage. He built the advantage. Well, and he has that winning culture. A&M has not had a winning culture in a while, so that's why, I mean, Jimbo Fisher's going to have a big target on his back now because, I mean, speaking of this NIL and everything, A&M's the first team that, Jimbo Fisher and A&M are the first team that really started this whole thing of paying players and getting recruits to come to College Station. List of we need infractions ASAP. Lincoln Riley won, Jimbo Fisher too. Lincoln Riley won, Jimbo Fisher too. Though I'm here for the press conference fireworks. Don't don't get me twisted. He did. He didn't take long because eight or last night. What was it? Around eight p.m. Nick Saban came out and said that, and then man, press conference at ten a.m. to talk about it. You know what? At the barbecue, we need we need prime time there too i forgot about him get him involved too he did we don't need him to be a central figure just kind of hanging out every once in a while pop in a couple of words here and there all right we're do a break wrap up our number two joey helmer of ouinsider.com 24 7 sports my brother ready to hop in in hour number three plus your your texts your phone calls right here it's the plank show on the ref in true Kansas City Chief fashion, I have been like Andy Reid clock management-wise this hour. We will do better in hour number three. Hour number two, though, it's been brought to us by Allison Insurance. We head over to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, before we welcome in OUinsider.com's Joey Helmer to start hour number three. What do we got, Connor, on the text line? Here we go. We got, I'm sure it's been made aware, but Saban said Fisher was buying his recruiting class. Fisher never denied buying the players, just that he never violated the rules. If you ask me, Fisher better look in the mirror, and when he says, when people show you who they are, believe them. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, come on, Jimbo. Sitting up there, denying everything. Can't admit, Saban's telling the truth. So... Let's say that it wasn't direct enticement, 200000 to come to Texas A&M, but it was, hey, look at our collectives. You, you know, again, this is what I've been talking about. It's that gray area of it's still enticement, but it's not enticement in the, hey, come check out this briefcase. Here's your $200,000, right? Like the uh, – it's it's not the – drug deal here's here's all your cash see you later type move and you know i don't know i mean will we ever get any sort of honest look at any of that i don't know it's tough to say i hope we get some sort of crackdown on all of this that's it for hour number two josh and connor back with you plank show we'll hit all of your text messages i promise in the final hour joey helmer next on the ref Roof Tech of Oklahoma, 
locally owned and operated for 30 years. They're bringing us the final hour, as always, of the Plank Show. Give Josh Tucker at RoofTech a call for all of your roofing needs, 405-703-4245, where they guarantee the highest quality workmanship in the roofing industry. Joey Helmer, my big brother, hops into the house of OUinsider.com. You can check out, well, all of his work over there, OUinsider.com, OU. 247, I think, on Twitter, and then uh, he's at Joey Helmer 247 on Twitter, if you are so social media inclined. Joey, what's up, dude? Good morning. Good morning. What's going on? I guess there's uh, a little bit of news in the college football world this morning. There is, yes. Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, they are best friends, as they have uh, informed us this morning. What do you... What do you make of all of that? Nick Saban yesterday comes out and says that Texas A&M bought all of their players. Jimbo Fisher today basically says, yeah, I'm done with Nick Saban. And I don't know if he outright denied it, but he tried to push back against it. How do you feel about just that sequence between Saban and between Jimbo Fisher? Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know the details all the details as far as, uh, you know, to, to take a side on the deal. But um, obviously it was entertaining. Um, <laughs> Jimbo, it's, it's peak off season. Uh, you know, we always have something like this, whether it's realignment or coaches getting into it. So it's just peak off season discussion, but it's certainly entertaining to, to uh, hear how adamant that, uh, Jimbo Fisher was that no, they're not buying players, and then he took a couple digs at Nick Saban and um, said, you know, th- <laughs> this is why I'm trying to think of exactly how he phrased it, but uh, basically, uh, when the guy shows you who he really is, you know, that's who he is, and um, I-, I haven't wanted to go. Um, work for him again there's a reason why so there's some of the, the comments that he made were were not subtle they were uh very pointed and uh blunt and so it was it was an interesting nine and a half minutes of a press conference i i don't know if i've seen a press conference that was that interesting for nine and a half minutes ever before do you think Bryce Young's throwing for 600 or 500 yards against Texas A&M? <laughs> I think Bama's winning by 1,000 points. I <laughs> tweeted that. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, this October 8th now is just going to be awesome because, you know, obviously we're talking Oklahoma, so that's the day of the Red River rivalry as well. So you got that. You got Bama A&M, which now has become – such a spicy matchup. It already was going to be uh, a very interesting one. and Now you have these dynamics going on. So, uh, yeah, I I don't know how many yards Bryce Young is going to throw for, but uh, I, I'm picking Bama in that game, and <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be all that close. Everyone remembers Texas A&M won that game between the two last year, so there was already uh, – that kind of played in like you you lose to a team you you don't want to lose to them uh but a division 
you know, conference team two years in a row. And so you had that dynamic. And then now you have uh, all these comments and uh, Josh, just the hype for the next few months on that game is going to be crazy. Yeah, especially if both are undefeated going into it. I mean, that's that's what you want is it'll be that early afternoon CBS window game. And, man, it's it's just going to be crazy. The atmosphere in Tuscaloosa and, like you said, the hype around it is going to be awesome. How do you – you know, one of my reactions to it was – Okay, Jimbo Fisher, first of all, I don't know that he needed to call a press conference. To me, it was a little strange that he even did that to begin with. It just draws more attention to what Nick Saban said, and obviously now the battle lines have been drawn between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban. And, you know, Nick Saban, for a former assistant, to go that route and be that outspoken, he he did kind of wage war himself as well, to be fair, from Alabama's perspective, but... Jimbo Fisher, to me, one of my takeaways is you're kind of making yourself, if what you're not outright denying, but what you're trying to push back against is that you you played this thing by the rules and it's not enticement, isn't Jimbo Fisher making himself kind of one of the faces of this deal if it is, in fact, dirty and by the letter of the law, they've broken it? Well, you better be on the straight and error now because that's the stance that you're taking in that you're you're so adamant that you're you're not you know you're not paying you're not buying players at all and so <laughs> you, you you better you better live to that bill at this point I think you know you bring up having even having the press conference this morning and to me I I think in some ways and again I'm not trying to take any sides on this bill but in some ways you just let it blow over what Nick Saban said. And that's, to me, almost the better way to take this because now you come out and have a press conference and it's also like, it's almost like you're being defensive about the deal. And to me, it's like, well, when you're defensive about something, there's a little bit of, you know, admitting. Uh, Even as much as you want to come out and deny, there's a chance that you're admitting that what that guy uh, said, you know, kind of got your goat, and, and there's a reason it got its goat. So I don't know that. That's just maybe me reading into it a little bit. Uh, again, like I said, I'm not trying to, to take sides on the deal, but I, I'm not so sure even having the press conference was the best PR move today here for Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, I don't think it was either. I can't imagine that anybody. If they were, then maybe it's time to look for new leadership in that department. I can't imagine any of the athletics communication staff at A&M said, here's what we got to do. We got to get in front of this thing. Jimbo Fisher, go grab the mic and attack Saban and call him a moron and say that you're done with him and you're not answering his phone calls anymore. To me, it kind of makes Jimbo Fisher look worse here that he felt the need to get in front of the microphones and I'll go ahead and say it. I'll be brave. I'm definitely team Nick Saban on this one. I would like to see the NCAA or whoever make Texas A&M the first or second target. I'm openly campaigning for both Lincoln Riley and Jimbo Fisher to be two of the culprits that immediately are uh, reprimanded here in this uh, reigning in of name, image, and likeness. But that's just me, Joey. That's just me. What do you make of uh, Oklahoma's spring? I mean, now we've got it put behind us. I know that we talked a little bit, you and I did, 
about this on the Locked On Sooners podcast, but for those that didn't hear that there, let's bring it to the Plank Show here. What do you make of what you saw in the spring from Oklahoma and just some of your impressions? I know you were all over, like our own Tyler McComas, the caravan stops for OU. So what do you make of the what you heard at the caravan stops, and what are the big takeaways from this spring for you? I'll tell you what, I – I couldn't be more optimistic right now. And, you know, back in middle of December, you know, January, we saw everything that happened. February, we were optimistic. And uh, with how the recruiting class came together, uh, finalized a a lot better than certainly, I know you feel the same way, but a lot better than I thought it was going to with how everything was at the time. And then, um, you come into spring and just this momentum has just carried. I mean, it really has. And there, there's such a positive feel around the program right now. I think spring football went as good as it possibly uh, could have. Dylan Gabriel is a, obviously has taken the reins as a big-time leader on this team. And so um, you, you feel good about the direction, at, you know, at, at the Caribbeans, I think, the thing that has stood out the most to me is just that continued energy. And, you know, it comes from the, the players, the coaches, and uh, stems to the fans as well. There's just such an energy around this athletic department in general right now. And I I just have to like the direction of Oklahoma football moving forward. Now, you know, that's not to say they're going to win a national championship this year or next year or even three years from now, but I feel really good. Uh, that Brent Venables has Oklahoma on the right path, and I think he's going to win a national championship at Oklahoma. I feel fairly confident in saying that. So um, I, I just, I continue to to think long term on this deal, and uh, just Oklahoma is in a much better position than Oklahoma was in six months ago. I just don't think there's any doubt about that. It certainly seems that way. I'm with you. The buzz is palpable, and the want-to-be-here factor, I think, is important when it comes to Brent Venables, and I think that was the case for Lincoln Riley early, but I don't think that was the case for Lincoln Riley late. Joey Helmer, by the way, of OUinsider.com, OU247 is who's hanging out with us here. One of the games that I – and I still would not categorize it as it's in the worry category for me for Oklahoma but you know Lincoln Nebraska the Cornhuskers they finished three and nine a year ago that was a 23 to 16 win for OU I don't know if you heard us talking about this this morning Joey but I would not have if you asked me two months ago what's the most important indicator game for OU I'm kind of coming around to the idea that it just might be Oklahoma going to Nebraska early in the non-conference again I wouldn't categorize it as a worry game for me I think Oklahoma should go up there and win comfortably I'm sort of in the camp that I think this is Scott Frost's final year it's not going to be another good season for him and that'll be it the song over and done with adios goodbye for Scott Frost but if OU loses that game then all of a sudden you kind of go down the rest of the schedule and you say okay well if they can lose in Lincoln Nebraska Look at all these other different games that now are in limbo for Oklahoma, and it begs the question, is this Oklahoma team, are they going to wind up being who we thought they were going to be? So 
How, how do you feel about that game early for Oklahoma? Well, to kind of give you the, the and I agree, to kind of give you the Nebraska side of things, uh, last year, what were they, three and nine? And they almost every single loss that they had by, was by less than a touchdown. And so, you, you know, including that game in Norman last year. And so you look, and that's a team that very easily – not only could have gone to a bowl game last year, if not a, a pretty decent bowl game, had they been on the right side of fortune in every single one of those close games. And so um, it's not as if they were getting blown out. And uh, then you, you look uh, from Oklahoma's perspective, you know, this is not a loaded non-conference schedule. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Uh, the, the game in Lincoln is, for all intents and purposes, uh, the only – a non-conference game that is quote-unquote a challenge. So um, from that standpoint, yeah, is it a little bit of a measuring stick game? I I think so. I think that's a fair way to put it. um, You know, Oklahoma obviously wants to go up there to Lincoln and win that game comfortably. But, uh, yeah, I I, I would certainly agree with that sentiment. uh, By no means should Oklahoma be walking in there thinking they're just going to roll and enroll with these because uh, again that game was close last year and nebraska lost a lot of close games i mean you, you have to you have to be fair about uh, the situation uh, when you look at that record you you have to realize what happened to uh, to, to make that record come into into play and again i think oh you should go up there and will go up there and win by multiple scores i'm just saying if they don't or if they outright lose the game then we start talking about what does 2022 look like for Oklahoma, and that conversation I think would drastically change coming out of Lincoln if if Nebraska can pull the stunner over Oklahoma in what would be Brent Venable's first road game that uh, he's coaching as a head coach. One final question, Joey, and I haven't asked you anything about softball, which that's that's my bad, but got caught up and carried away talking a little football. I want to ask you one more football question. We got a good text this morning that was along the lines of this. And for whatever reason, I I found that Dylan Gabriel in my mind, for some reason I don't think of him as a transfer quarterback, I guess because he's so entrenched as the starter here now. But he is a transfer quarterback, and so you have to include him in this group. Where do you stand in regards to this question? Is the sum of the parts that Oklahoma's brought in in the transfer portal greater than the star power they've lost through the transfer portal, or is it too early to say for you? Well, and I would extend that. I, I, I think we have to wait and give it a little bit of time. Yeah, I would say maybe it's a little too early, but I would extend that talk to the coaching staff, and here's why. I, I think there's such a cohesion now. I'm not saying that uh, before that the staff, there wasn't a cohesion there, but it just seems to be that they're on a, a different a level of agreement of being being tuned with and being aligned with the same kinds of things now and so um yeah i i think certainly there's something to that it's you know if you're going to win national championships you have to have all the pieces fit together and that's not just having elite players you know that's having the complementary pieces uh, around that um can, can do everything that needs to be done you know and 
that goes to the coaching staff as well. You have to have the pieces fit together, and I just feel like the staff right now uh, is really cohesive. And and it's you, you see it in the types of things that uh, they're they're doing. They they go down to Florida, and the the sole mission you see the impact of that. These things matter. Everything in terms of how you carry yourself and how you carry, how you model your program. Uh, I think, you know, we look no further than this discussion with Nick Saban and, and Jimbo Fisher today. I mean, modeling your program is so, so important. And I feel like Oklahoma with Brent Venables in the first few months is just doing a fantastic job with that. Yeah. I mean, it just, it does feel very organized and that's, sort of the scuttlebutt that you hear from those in the know around the program that it's just that they've got a plan in place across the board the holistic approach as it were from one Brent Venables and his staff Joey I know you've got all sorts of OU softball coverage that the folks can check out on on his Twitter feed that's an easy way to get it at Joey Helmer 247 and then OUinsider.com I didn't get to ask you about it I'm sorry about that but just some burning football topics this morning but hey thanks for joining the show as always yep thanks for having me on big bubba joey helmer he is a professional ladies and gentlemen a professional again at joey helmer 247 where you can check out everything that uh, he's working on he and parker and brandon they have got quite the uh, trio working over there at ou insider let's take a break let's come back i know a lot of you folks have sent in your thoughts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I want to hit all of those next. Maybe not all of them because there's a lot of them. I I don't know if we can do all of that in one segment, Connor, but we can we can rifle through quite a few of those. Josh Elmer, Connor Pasby, it's the Plank Show. Back with you final hour next on the ref. Hour three of the Plank Show. It's our congratulations, Will Show. He is a high school graduate, I believe, from Booker T. I think so. So Plank is out today, but he'll be back in full force, ready for the Norman Regional in that 75-0 beatdown of Prairie View A&M for tomorrow's show, as regularly scheduled. And I'm sure he's <laughs> – Plank's funny, man. He, he, you know, obviously took today off, which, hey, he should. It's a, a big moment really in his life as a father to see your first kid graduate from high school I'm sure it was whether he was outwardly emotional I mean that's that's emotional and you want to be there and celebrate that and he absolutely should having said that Plank is probably already he he's already thinking oh man this he's got to be upset because the Jimbo Fisher Nick Saban thing happened and he didn't get to react to it straight away live so he's going to be fired up to get back tomorrow and then of course the Norman Regionals going on Connor he is he's going to be ready to go tomorrow and Plank's just nonstop radio too that dude's doing sports talk about man every hour he can he just have I don't think he can relax unless he does three radio shows in a day I think he's constantly thinking about the next radio show, which, hey, you you got a labor of love. You, you have fun with it. Roof Tech of Oklahoma, they're bringing us this final hour, locally owned and operated for 30 years. Give Josh Tucker at Roof Tech a call for all of your roofing needs, 405-703-4245. They guarantee the highest quality workmanship in the roofing industry. Boy, our man Colin Cowherd is sure making a killing off OU, is he not? Oh, yeah, just – 
talking about him 24-7. His viewers just keep going up. Anything OU related, I mean, you might as well. Lincoln Riley still fits under that umbrella, too. All he does is talk about things related to OU, come to think about it. he Literally, the last two segments that he's done on the herd have been Baker Mayfield, if Deshaun Watson's suspended, should he play, should he not play, Kyler Murray, quote, won't be too eager to play this season, end quote, under current contract. And and that's what the last, like, 30 minutes of his show have been. So you're welcome, Colin Cowherd, for all of that content that Baker and Kyler have supplied you with, as well as Lincoln Riley and his divorce from the Oklahoma Sooners. That's not what we're here to talk about this morning, though. We can dive into it if you want to, but... I'm not trying to get real worked up about whether or not Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray are going to be playing for the Cleveland Browns and the Arizona Cardinals, at least not yet this morning. I'm more interested in this Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, brouhaha, which on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, many of you have sounded off and we have not yet hit those responses. 405-651-3439. Nick and Jimbo will both regret having said what they said. You don't want the spotlight that will be coming as a result of this. You agree with that on Nick Saban? I I definitely do on Jimbo Fisher. I've made that very clear this morning that, to me, he's making himself one of the chief targets in all of college football if and when there's a chance for, you know, not slaps on the wrist to happen but some serious punishment to happen as it pertains to pay for play in college football. Nick Saban, I mean, he, he is being outspoken and making himself a target, but Dapo Sweeney, he's not he's not been uh, bashful to make his uh, feelings felt. Brent Venables hasn't quite, I don't think, at least I wouldn't describe it in the same sense that Nick Saban right here is very seriously, I mean, just point blank saying, Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M are paying for players. Dabo Sweeney, again, I don't know that – I'm trying to think. I don't remember him singling a a program out, though he's been very pointed in his critique of name, image, and likeness and the direction a lot of this has has found itself in. So those two would kind of be the main head coaches, Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney, that have made their feelings felt. And now Jimbo Fisher on the other side – is sort of the big defender of his program. Lincoln Riley, to a lesser degree, I would put in that grouping as well with Jimbo Fisher. I don't know that Nick Saban's going to regret having said what he said. Nick Saban's got a lot of support for what he said. There's yeah, he's, a- got, he's got everyone behind him, and I, I just think that someone needed to come out and said that. I'm glad, I'm glad Nick Saban did, but I mean, I didn't think it was necessary for Jimbo Fisher to have a press conference just to... I mean, the following day after Nick Saban said this. I don't think the athletics communication department wanted him to do that. It just PR-wise, it's, it's I don't know, makes him look kind of weak, in my opinion. Look into Saban's past and you will see who? Jimbo doesn't sound super smart, bro. Shaking my head. Agreed. I mean, I just think it – it's – Joey said something – with us that I thought was was well-spoken. It's deny, 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 and it smells like guilty, guilty, guilty. When, it does, it does. When you go out of your way to have the response press conference, 
it doesn't make you look like somebody or a program that's not paying for players to go to College Station. Again, I have harped on it all morning long. That gray area of what enticement is, Connor. Okay, if it's through a collective, yeah, that's not the outright enticement to sign with A&M that it's, hey, here's $500,000 to sign with the Aggies, but if you know that you're getting $500,000 over the course of your career at the Aggies, well, that part's enticement too, and we just – that part, again, that would – Jimbo would be right. If that's the case – and it's not a direct, here's 200000 into your bank account right here, right now to sign with Texas A&M. If it's, hey, look what our collectives can do for you, and that's how they got the number one overall recruiting class, then the letter of the law as it was initially written, Jimbo would be right that they didn't break it. I just think you, I, and everybody else sort of feel like, well, that's probably not what's been going on at Texas A&M. It's probably both. Yeah, well, I don't understand when Jimbo's saying you're taking shots at 17-year-olds and their, you know, their parents and families. Like, no one's taking a shot at the players and families. They're taking a shot at you for breaking yeah, the ru- breaking the rules. So I don't know why you're t- why you're saying that Saban's taking a shot at their families. No, I he don't understand that. Yeah, no, he didn't. He, he's taking a he's firing across the bow at A and M and others of the world that are taking advantage of this situation and in some cases blatantly breaking the rules to get these types of recruiting classes. What is what is this image? You bought that class. They chose A&M. <laughs> You've never had a class this good. You're slandering 17-year-old kids because you bought them, turns and walks away. That's good stuff. What show is that from? What is that? I'm trying to think too, but I mean, I've seen that. I've seen those memes quite a bit, but, man, I can't really draw what what exactly that is, what show. It would be funnier if I knew the reference. Jimbo looks like someone who's very sensitive and very defensive. Guilt com- complex. Agreed. Agreed. That's, uh, I mean, just makes him look so bad. Fisher saying we haven't broken any state laws is a weird statement. When did the state of Texas pass college football laws? Well, they haven't, and neither has really the federal government. Though, you know, the Congress thing, that could be on the way soon. I just, I'm a little leery of that ever legitimately happening. It would offer a lot of clearance, though, and security to universities, to the NCAA, if Congress did do that. And who knows if Congress if Congress does that, Orange County Choppers, by the way, is is what that's from. Uh, appreciate it. If Congress, if we get to that point where Congress does do that, then all of a sudden, the NCAA that we thought was a thing of the past, and oh, they're gone, and there's no punishment anymore from the NCAA. We could see the NCAA get right back to sort of what they were, if there's protection from the idea that. There's lawsuits coming their way. I just think you can't count on Congress to pass some bill before you get involved in stopping some of this. I mean, what is so different now? What is so different now beyond how it used to be? There's clear rules stated that players cannot be enticed monetarily to sign with schools. 
You should be able to punish that via loss of bowl appearances, loss of scholarships, a show cause penalty. That you should be able to punish that right now without this wild fear that, okay, you're going to get sued and all of a sudden you can't punish because of it. Well, no, it'll be interesting how they punish them, though, because it's not just – I mean, a lot of it is Jimbo, but you never know. There's some other coaches that are doing this exact same thing maybe, and they're just not you know, getting the national attention like Jimbo is. One final text before we hop to a break. This is good. Yeah, that top one there. Nick Saban made his comments to a bunch of business people in Birmingham as a warning to how things will need to go at Alabama to sustain success. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a take to basically say, hey, y'all, it's time to pony up because Texas A&M, they beat us in this recruiting class. And that's why I asked the question off the top, how much of this is a little bit of Nick Saban scared that Georgia – just passed him up and won a national championship. Texas A&M has clearly beaten them in this recruiting class. I feel like there's a way for these things to be punished a little bit from the enticement side. I feel like that opportunity is there without everybody being so scared that a lawsuit is coming their way. I mean, punish things that are clearly against the rules. Having said that, if you don't do that, then Texas A&M is going to continue doing this. Georgia will continue to do this. USC and Lincoln Riley will continue to do this, and it will be who does that the best. That will be who's winning the big championships in college football. I'd like to see us get away from that and get back to a little bit of normalcy, but if it's not, then you're right on the text line there. It could be a warning sign to those business people. Hey, hey, yo, boosters, where's that cash at? The 2022 PGA Championship, we'll have an update on that when we return. And Oklahoma softball, you know, I've, I've gone two and a half hours and I haven't mentioned OU softball or baseball. And OU baseball's got a big series starting tonight from down in Lubbock. Uh, we can dive into that. And then the Jordy Ball status for Oklahoma and this Norman Regional. What are we going to... What concerns should we have going into the Norman Regional, and what are we going to be able to glean coming out of it in terms of Oklahoma softball's bid for a back-to-back national championship in their sixth national championship in program history? Let's talk about that next. Coming down the home stretch, it's the Plank Show. Steelman and Thune at noon, they are waiting in the wings, chomping at the bits. I know. I know Steely's ready to pounce on this Jimbo Fisher-Nick Saban conversation. We're not too far away from that. You'll definitely want to stick around and hear those two. But, hey, let's talk some softball and baseball next. Right here, Josh and Connor on the Plank Show, on the ref. This is the home of Sooner fans. couple more segments to go on the Plank Show, which means we're running out of time to take your calls. Connor and myself, Josh Elmer, alongside Connor Pasby. It is the Plank Show. Nobody stress out. Nobody freak out out there. Chris Plank will be back, happily, I'm sure. And frustratingly, he will return in the sense that I'm sure he's uh, irritated he didn't get to talk Jimbo Fisher and had to wait a day. But we can 
Take your phone calls before we get out of here. I see you, True Sooner, 405-329-9000. Let's not make True Sooner wait. He is oftentimes patient. This morning, we go right to the phone lines. True, what's up? Good morning. What's going on, man? Oh, you know, it's a, it's a fun Thursday. We got major championship golf going on in the state of Oklahoma. I'm digging this Jimbo Fisher-Nick Saban fight. I can't wait for that game now. I think Alabama might beat him by 70. I feel more confident than ever now. I just, I, I think it's a bad look for both of them, to be honest. You do? You think it's a bad look for Saban? Why? Both of them. Both of them. I just, I, you know, for him to say, like kind of like you said, it, 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 in some ways it, it looks bad because it looks like the kid that always gets his way and now he's not getting his way, so he's going to throw himself down and cry about it. And then, you know, and, and he's won. You know, it's not like he has. I mean, he's won six national titles in, what, 12 years? He also finished with you the know? number two recruiting class. So, it's, right. you know, right. while Texas A&M, they got the number one class, and, you know, it looks like Jimbo Fisher, again, I'm going to wait and see with Texas A&M always until they unseat Alabama and win the SEC West and then beat Georgia in the SEC championship game and then go win a college football playoff national championship. I'm going to wait and see with Jimbo and company, even with the number one recruiting class. But, you know, with all of that, yeah, I, I, you know, Nick Saban was just beaten by Georgia in a national championship game. A&M did get the number one recruiting class. So, I can I can see what you're talking about there. He shouldn't panic too much though. Like I said, I mean they got the number two class for everything that A and M did. It's not doom and gloom for Alabama. Well, and 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 you know Texas A and M has always thought more of themselves than anybody else has. You know they've won more. You know, you know they they've always thought they were a lot better than they were. I mean, is there is there a team that's under you know underachieved more than A and M over the years as far as what people thought they were going to be coming into the coming into the season? No, I I don't even know who would be close to that type of inflated perception. Who else would be on that? That's a good question. Who else would be on the inflated perception uh, chart? Texas, Texas, yeah, Texas. Texas. Uh, something about that uh, state, I guess. Huh? What other programs? Uh, probably some of the SEC teams. I mean, Auburn always know, wants to be yeah. Alabama, and they're, they're never going to be. I'd probably say Florida. Florida's Florida a there. little bit that Florida. way. Yeah, I mean, basically, <laughs> yeah, a lot of the SEC programs. Tennessee, I think, maybe a little bit inflated, but they're not as obnoxious, I don't think, about no, it no. as as some of these other schools. Michigan. Michigan Michigan's probably. a good, yeah, Michigan's a good submission. You know, That's, that's an interesting so think, summer I, conversation. I, I like that. We're going to dive into that at some point. I think when he comes out, when Saban comes out and says they basically didn't he say they cheated for all those players, basically, and I, and I think he said they bought their whole like, team. Yes. Yeah, and, that, and that's not fair. I mean, they didn't buy their whole team. I mean, you know, and, and so you know, for him to say every single play, and plus it's a weir- it's a weird time for him to say this when it's wild wild west in the NIL. You know what I mean? It's just and then and then it, and, but don't let Jimbo off the hook either because he's crying too. I mean, I, I just think it's bad for. I think it's a bad look for him to have the press conference in, in retaliation. It's great I mean, for us, the viewer. It's going to be yeah, fantastic exactly. on it. October 8th. If that game's – look, I think Alabama's pounding them into submission now. They've got <laughs> probably the Heisman Trophy winner or certainly, if not him or C.J. Stroud, he's going to be right back there in the mix for the thing. 
and the game's in Tuscaloosa. But, you know, look, it would be great if the game was close. I mean, can you imagine the theater yeah. of that? Yeah, exactly. So, so on the Thunder, is this the end of the tankathon? We'll see. I mean, they got a hit on this draft pick, number two. I'd like to yeah. see them enhance the number 12 pick. To me, it's uh, package and move up now. L- let's go. I- it's over. If you want to keep Shea Gilgis Alexander around. That's right. You know, I right. made this remark yesterday. If if not now, then when? And if not after this draft, then SGA at some point, I just don't think he's going to play nice forever. At some no, point, even though he's got the Supermax deal and that's great, I mean, you're not young for the entirety of your career. At some point, he's going to walk in and say, you know what, I want out. And, oh, by the way, Sam Presti has shown us that he lets players out when they request yep, a trade. Yeah, so, so let's, let, let's just say for a second they, that, that this guy they get, let's say, it's, let's say he's, a, he's a staple player, okay? And then you got SGA and you got this guy. You know whether it be you know Smith or Boncaro, any of those. Bon it's going to be one of those yeah, three so we think. Say, yeah, so let's say they get one of those guys. You know, and and, and the, so why wouldn't you take one of those? What, what are they seriously? What do they got? Twenty picks over the next five years? Something seventeen picks? I would like send that, as right? many as you can send, and the number twelve pick, and the number thirty pick, and I would move up. I would move up number to. Seven, eight. I'm thinking five or six. Man, if they could get up, and you know, I don't know if any of those guys would do that, but but some of those teams are are desperate right now. I mean, I mean, look at the Lakers. Somebody would do it. Somebody, somebody would do it. If Sam Presti is willing to part with a, a you know a boatload of picks, there's always somebody that wants to do that. Not necessarily for you know one, two, or three, or four, but you start getting to five, right. six, seven. Yeah, there, there's an opportunity to move up, especially if you're giving picks twelve and thirty back, and you know more lottery picks. These teams, they're always fascinated. We see it in the NFL draft all the time, true, and the right. NFL, uh, the NBA draft too. To where I don't know why teams are so fascinated with stockpiling picks that we don't even know what they're going to be, but. There's always general managers that are fascinated by that, so it's time to get aggressive. Anyways, true. Hey, I got to run, right. man. G- appreciate right, man. the phone call. We'll see you. We got to take a final to, and we'll put a bow tie on it. It's the Plank Show. Josh Helmer, Connor Pasby, back with you to wrap it up on the ref after this. Welcome back. It's the Plank Show. That's muted, by the way. That's what's going on. <laughs> You're confused in there. Josh Helmer, Connor Pasby. We don't need no music to announce our return. Come on. Uh, you want a final 2022 PGA Championship update before we hit the highway? How's about it? The PGA Championship from out at Southern Hills. All of our updates are brought to us by Elite Roofing Systems. I want to invite everybody as well to swing on by and Saturday morning into the afternoon, if you're hanging out in Tulsa and you, you want to come out and say hello to us, Matt Reynolds and myself will be over at Lexus of Tulsa, and that's where we'll be doing the Gimme Zone this Saturday morning at 10 a.m., so that's going to be a ton of fun. And Travis Davidson on Friday is out at Ash Cigar down in Tulsa, so we got a bunch of stuff going on out there this weekend, this uh, Friday and Saturday for, well, just in general, Travis and Tyler for the rush. And then, uh, obviously, for us on the 
Gimme Zone, which, man, dude, I am so jacked to go to the PGA Championship. I can't even can't even begin to describe to you. That's going to be a heck of a Saturday and a pretty good atmosphere for you guys. And the weather looks like it's going to be amazing. Let's look. Tulsa. Cooler. It's getting cooler for this weekend and then all of next weekend. <laughs> I know. It's perfect. It's like a steamer out there to today and tomorrow. High of 90, 88. And then Saturday, there's you know late Friday and Saturday early, there's some, some rain in the forecast. S- high of 69 and 67 on uh, Sunday. You can't beat that. Dude, I'm going to be wearing a jacket. Are you kidding me? It's perfect. Ideal. Ideal for me. Uh, real quick, the leaderboard. It's Rory McIlroy. He's two shots in front, five under par for the first round. He's through 12 holes, so he is playing really, really well. Will Zalatoris, Tom Hoagie, they are both three under par. Abe Answer, our man, our Sooner, he is two under par for this championship. Tiger Woods, uh-oh. I knew that he went into – yeah, two he's over. one over. I got I got two over now. Oh, no. He bogeyed again? No, he yeah, he just birdied and got one back on uh, the third. So he's one over par. If he gets back to even, that'd be good. All right, that's it for us. We got to exit stage left here. Josh Elmer alongside Connor Pasby. So long, everybody. Steel Man and Thune at noon. They are next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.